Andy, we went to your favorite American restaurant, Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> I think that's everybody's favorite American Everybody restaurant, even the Americans. Cracker I actually liked tr- Cracker Barrel. See, the problem with that, with like if Andy was here and we went into a Cracker Barrel, I'm afraid I'd never get him to get out of the, the, the section in the front with all the toys. <laughs> there is that. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You spark fleet officers. Now start acting like it. Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to the prophets at Deep Space Nine Podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Hell. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm Paul Spataro. I am here with Dr. Bill Robinson. Red Squad! I'm here with Chief Andrew Leyland. Hello. <laughs> How are you? How do you get a Red Squad I'm out all, of you? I'm all, we're all good here. Oh, sorry. Red Squad! Oh, Red Squad! Oh. There you go. And finally, we have Medic David Pescarella. Medic! Ahoy! <laughs> oh, I need a medic. Yeah, well, if, 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 by the Dave time anybody hears man. this, Dave will be up and around and tap dancing around like Mr. Bojangles. But right now, he's laying in bed he's screaming in agony. <laughs> yeah, he's waiting for that bionic leg to come in. Well, now I just want a whole Harry Chapin. Mr. Pascarella, dance. Do, 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 that's not, that's do, not Harry do, Chapin, isn't it? Did he, Mr. Bojangles? Did, Mr. Bo, it's, that's Sammy Davis Jr. No, but in the 70s, Mr. Bojangles. Or, or the nitty-gritty Burt Dirt Band. Was it the nitty-gritty? Oh, all right, so I got my wrong 70s thing. Where do you get to Harry Chapin? Unless he did a cover of it that I'm just not familiar with. I, I could be wrong. It has been known to happen. That's it. You sh- you you hush. <laughs> You're never wrong, Bill. Hush, little Andy. That's don't say a word. You. Never wrong, Bill. Never wrong, Bill. Let's see, Mr. Bojangles' lyrics. Do 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 do. Oh, it's in the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. How about that? <laughs> well, here we go. The re- the song has been recorded by many popular artists, and I'm just going to read the names I recognize here: Chet Atkins, uh, Harry Belafonte, Garth Brooks. <laughs> George Burns, Mr. Uh, Belafonte, yeah, Sammy Davis Jr., John Denver, Neil Diamond, Bob Dylan, Arlo Guthrie, Whitney oh, Houston, oh maybe that's what I'm thinking, maybe Billy that's what Joel, I'm Elton John, Don McLean, BB New, John McLean, did you say John McLean? Don Mc <laughs> Don McLean, welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> Harry Nielsen, uh, and yet I'm not Cat Stevens. I'm seeing a whole list of people here, and yet no Harry Chapin. <laughs> Many of them which could sound like Harry Chapin. Sammy Davis Jr. performed the song on television, as did William Shatner. <laughs> wow. That may need to be found somehow. 
I'm all stuck on Harry Potter. Mr. Belafonte going, uh, I, I could just see him. Well, Jangles! Jangles! <laughs> no? I, and doing it as a duet with George Burns. <laughs> so, but the... the I this, knew a man, Bojangles, and he danced for you in worn-out shoes, silver hair, and a ragged shirt. No. Sir. Say goodnight, Harry. Goodnight, Harry. So, anyway... Everybody in the world performed it except for Harry Chapin. <laughs> Do you think the listeners have figured out where this episode's going to go in the end already? Uh, we, we have some, some stuff to talk about. today. We're we here, do have some things to talk about. Today we're here to discuss the episode Valiant. But before we get to that, does anybody have any Star Trek or Mr. Bojangles news to, to discuss? Yeah, there's loads of stuff right now. Oh, well, well as we Phyllis, record this. Phyllis, yeah, we just don't know what it is. Well, as we record it, and as it's coming out, even more has come out that we don't even know about. Well, first of all, Nog has sadly passed away, Aaron Eisenberg. Yeah, so that that was quite sad. Uh, Picard has been given a release date. What is that release date? January 23rd, I think, on Amazon Prime. Hey, so this episode CBS will be... Action. This episode will be long in the rearview mirror by the time... Or that that premiere will be long in the rearview mirror by the time this episode airs. Well, that's what I was thinking as well. Will we have done with Deep Space Nine when Picard airs? Because we could just do Picard. Yeah, you know what? That's not a bad idea. As long as we can get a hold of the episodes... I don't think we will be done recording this, but we'll be done recording it not long afterwards. So maybe we'll pick up on Picard after that. Yeah. Okay. That was just a suggestion. The trailer. I'm, I'm up for it. I have. I don't mean to speak for my uh, the rest of my valiant crew. Oh, I'm looking forward to Picard. Of everything that's come down the pike, that's the one I'm looking for. I would not mind. You know, rather than just retiring the show after we're done with season seven, I wouldn't mind doing episodes of new part, new Star Trek stuff that comes out. Picard, yeah, that's Picard fine. and whatever mm-hmm. else. So, so Picard is going to drop on that date. Uh, the trailer arrived. Everybody, it was nice to see everybody apart from Data, who looks awful. I don't know yeah. whether that's the de-aging of Brent Spiner or the fact that the wig doesn't fit. I don't know what it was. But either way, he looked absolutely terrible in that trailer. But everyone else looks looks absolutely spot on. It was nice to see Riker and Deanna. And uh, Jerry Ryan's going to be in it, which we already knew. It, it, it looks like it's going to be quite interesting. Yeah, I, I've kind of had that feeling all along that I thought it's it looked like it was going to be interesting, and I'm I'm up, definitely up for watching it. Of course, I don't ha- I do not have CVS All Access, so someone will have to kindly get me get me access to the episode in order for us to review it. But that sometimes is doable. Say nothing. Say, act natural. Say nothing. Yeah, act natural. Say nothing. So, and then I don't know. It, I assume that's going to uh, drop the same way that. That Discovery did that it's going to be uh, one episode at a time as opposed to the entire season dropping at once. I presume so, but I don't. I've not seen any announcement on that yet. But it seems to me that the streaming model is moving away from dropping everything at once because they've cottoned on to the fact that people are signing up for the six-week free trial, watching everything that they want to watch, and they're not paying for it. Mm-hmm. So they they seem to be moving into so Disney. Disney streaming is certainly not dropping everything all at once. They're dropping everything weekly. 
so it's going to be interesting to see what happens here there's also been a new trailer for discovery season three which i haven't managed to see because every link i've clicked on says this video has been removed so cbs were on the ball with that one and as we record this more of the short tracks have dropped but i haven't seen any of those yet and veering off the main topic did i tell you guys that i have officially signed up for the disney streaming now no you did not yeah, they, they offered the deal. It works out to like $4.77 a month, something like that. That's total cost if I was willing to sign up for three years at once. So I was like, yeah, all right, I'll do that. Yeah, that seems fair enough, doesn't it? Yeah, so it was like 160 something dollars total. Just pay it all up front and I have it for three years. Did you get the package that includes Hulu and ESPN? I did not. Oh, do you currently have Hulu? I do. Oh, well, then you should look into that. Yeah, I'm going to see if, I, if I'm allowed to combine it or whatever. But for now, I know I know. Uh, as we record this, we're about two weeks away from uh, from that service being provided. And <laughs> I know I will have it. So mm. kind of cool on that. So did everyone watch the Picard trailer? Yes. <laughs> I haven't seen yes. it. Yep. Well, then I guess we can't talk about it. Yeah, you can. Don't worry about spoiling the trailer for me. <laughs> We get Riker. Yeah, we get Riker, we get Deanna. No Geordi or Worf yet, but I'm sure that they will be forthcoming. That's it? That's all you took from it? (laughs) No, no, I I took a lot from it, but any any further discussion of that may be spoilers for the show. My honest feeling is if if they're going to do spoilers for the show, they shouldn't put it in the uh, trailer. I, I hate when they spoil things in the trailer. Just give us a te- just give a teaser. That's all I want is a teaser. Uh, it seems very much like um, first contact, where the Federation are doing something that Picard doesn't approve of, and he's doing his. Where is the line, Admiral? Well, looks like they're making a again. bunch of. So it's insurrection. Yeah, sorry, insurrection, not first contact. It looks like they're making a bunch of the the one thing that you know they're worried about creating a a whole bunch of androids to serve the Federation. Yeah. It looks like they could be doing that. Which is a little bit what they touched on in Voyager. Mm-hmm. So so it looks like that's what they're going to be doing. Now, whether or not Picard is still in Starfleet doesn't seem overly clear. In fact, it doesn't look like any of them are still in Starfleet. Well, I would say he's not in Starfleet just by when he checks in at the, um, at the what, the little welcome kiosk where wherever he goes and they give him the comm badge and it's not even like a starfleet comm badge it's like a visitor's comm badge yeah. oh it's good to see you back it's so nice it's to see be- you up and about they say so like he was injured or whatever yeah, I thought he was retired mm. I wonder how far in the future it's set then given that we've already established that in the next generation era we live to be 150 plus so it may not even be 25 years after Nemesis it could be 50 years after Nemesis which I think would be interesting because despite what everyone says I think Patrick Stewart is very very much looking his age Mm. but if we establish that this is 50 years after the last time we saw him that would place the character in his early hundreds which I think would work and be really cool true I could work with that I I would in fact I, I think that's preferable as you say that they do make him closer to his own age or closer to his own life Physical, expectancy. Or, yeah. You know, more more in line with how old he would be if he did live in that era. Right, because he's, what, he's actually now in his 70s, 80s? Yeah, I think Patrick Stewart's in his late 70s at this point. Yeah, so, so if they actually make it that Picard's past the century mark, 
that not only gives you a big wide scope of leaving space for the EU stuff in the novels to have happened, so as not to repeat the problem that people had with the Star Wars stuff when they threw all the EU stuff out, but also it shows Star Trek's life expanditure in the future is is longer than ours, which I think is, I think that would be really good. I don't think they're going to do that, but I think it would be good if they did. Oh, I don't think we're going to do that either as huge in general as human beings because we're becoming too addicted to smartphones for our own good. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't talk. No, I should, never mind. I'll be quiet. I'm sorry. I was how, my how, is, how is that going to stop us from aging better? <laughs> Looking at our phones. Because we're, because we're going to be hunched over oh, right. become okay. walking around hunched over looking at a phone. We're going to walk off a cliffs. We're going to sit around well, on I our think- couches looking at phones. I think we'll be geodic. We'll just have it implanted into our eyes. Great. Bill, Bill thinks us couch. using our phones is going to lead to uh, what we call it a uh, Terminator universe. Exactly. Oh, oh yeah. I, I watch Scott argue with his phone all the time. He's gonna piss it off, and the phone's gonna series gonna nuke us. I'm doing this because of Scott Gardner. He yells at me. Boom. It is all his fault that Cyberdyne has happened. Exactly. <laughs> But to be to be fair, is there anyone or anything that Scott won't yell at? It's not like he it's not like he singled out the phone. He is an equal opportunity yeller, uh, old yeller. That's what we should. That should be his new name, old yeller, and not because, not because he's a dog we would have put down or that has to be put down. Just because he just you know. See, he, Scott doesn't listen to the show, so we can say whatever we want. Keep running with that one. <laughs> we love you, Scott. So, anyway. That is the Picard trailer. I haven't seen the Discovery trailer. Have any of you seen the Discovery trailer? I did not even know there was a Discovery trailer. Okay, so that answers that question. And have any of you seen the new short Trek? Mm, no, I have... No, no, I have watched a uh, YouTube video that discussed it, though. Right, okay. Well, I've got it, so I will share it with you, esteemed gentlemen. As soon as I get the chance, it's oh. um, it's all Pike and Spock and number one on the Enterprise. Number one. Hmm. So I just like to do with my uh, Picard as a Borg every once in a while. <laughs> you will service us. And of course, now uh, Picard's dog is uh, named number one, right? It was his cat, wasn't it? Was it not a cat? I thought it was a dog. Uh, I thought it was a cat. Oh. Number one. Whatever, whatever. I have to go clean your number one out of the litter box. (laughs) Number one. Did you go number two? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, yeah. And they had the little, they had the next generation theme in the background, and it was all really good. And uh, it looks far more exciting to me than anything else that they have announced in the Star Trek front. Although at least Discovery ended in a way that's made me interested in Series 3. So... We'll see how that goes. I still haven't gotten through Series 2. <laughs> I haven't seen Series 2 at all. Right, okay. I'll just ask you this, Paul. When you get to the end of Season 2, ask yourself, where does like the 15,000 ships come from? Just ask yourself that question. Right. I, um, I'm feeling like I may have to start Season 2 at Episode over. 1 again, just mm-hmm. because I was so disconnected from it as i watched the first six or seven episodes that i did watch it just I mean, it, it never it never pulled me in i had it it was kind of like i had it on but my mind would wander as it was on because it was never that engaging i mean andy do you think i have a valid question there i mean it's it's 
it's a pretty shot, but it doesn't make any sense. The ending didn't make any sense. There's absolutely no reason for the Discovery to end up doing what they do, given what they did to get the... Yeah. In the, in the original like, plan, I'm trying to don't dance to around it. Yeah, I'm trying to dance around it so as not to spoil it for the people who've not seen it. But in the original plan, yeah, okay. But the original plan went tits up, and something happened that means they don't have to do what they were originally going to do, but they do it anyway, just because, and I honestly think this is true, just because the writers are fed up with people yeah. saying, so how does this fit into continuity? Yeah. But there was absolutely no need for the first season of Discovery anyway to be set before the original show. They could have set that 50 years after The Next Generation and it wouldn't have made a blind bit of difference to the show. Burnham could have been a descendant of Spock. And that may have even worked better than having her be Spock's heretofore unmentioned sister. So, you sister. have a twin sister. If you will not turn to the Starfleet, then perhaps she will. But obviously that was all to do with rights issues with regards to what Bad Robot owned and what CBS Television owned and what CBS Movie Division owned. And now all of that's been conglomerated back into one hole again. Presumably the Bad Robot contract is coming to an end so J.J. Abrams doesn't have a say in any of this shit anymore. Then they've now said, all right, well, let's not deal with it. Let's let's do what we're doing and we don't have to deal with that shit anymore. Right. So that's now, my thinking on it anyway. So now they're doing what basically they probably so now they're going somewhere now see I don't want to give it away either. They're going someplace give it away, that, give it away, give it away now. They're going someplace, the whole crew, the whole ship is going someplace that in my opinion, maybe they should have the first season they should have started where they're gonna end up in the third season and yep. then and then through the through the story explain how they got there. Yeah, maybe maybe would have been a better way instead of starting here. Yeah, I love that you sound like Stewie from Family Guy. Maybe it would have been better there. <laughs> maybe it would have been better if you started in the 29th century. Maybe you'd started with Starfleet in the 29th century instead of trying to fit it into established canon. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I was doing Stewie. I didn't. I didn't realize I was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you. <laughs> I love you too, Bill. <laughs> you want me and Dave to sign off? <laughs> no, no, no. Bill and I share enough intimate moments as it is. You had me at good morning. <laughs> See, now it's time for the for the producers to put together a uh, just a montage of scenes of Andy and Bill doing this. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a shot of Andy giving Bill a sponge bath. <laughs> <laughs> then, then Andy goes off about how he hates sand. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll go off and, and butcher a bunch of children, but Bill won't worry. Don't Bill. Go, oh, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Just, just to keep with the theme of the day, Andy goes off and butchers the Tampa Bay football team. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you guys are going. Well, anyone notice? I was going to go from the sponge bath to like. Andy's painting a like a he's up on a hill and he's doing a painting and then you know I'm just sitting there posing, <laughs> posing like Mona Lisa. Hey, hey, like your French girls. <laughs> oh, I didn't go there. <laughs> anyway, that's it for Star Trek news. Oh no, no, haven't we seen a clip from the animated show? Or I have not. Um, oh, is that available? Right. 
Oh, no, no, I'm just asking. I know that we've seen... A, have we seen a still of it or a picture? And Jerry McConnell's talked about it, I want to say. There's something about the animated show has made its way out there as well. Mm. And I cannot for the life of me remember what it is. But it's out there if you want to go and try and find it. I mean, by the point the lovely listeners hear this, it'll all be it'll all be out anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yes. yes. Well, I've got some trivia. Gimme, hit me with your trivia stick. Hit me with your trivia. Fire away. Um, so, does the name Valiant ring a bell with anybody? It was, it was uh, Yes, there you go. Yeah, where, where no man has gone before. Yeah. That was it. That was my trivia. <laughs> and that ship was destroyed, too. It was, was yes, but not by a bunch of whiny, incompetent children. Shh. They were doing I can't, I, I can't wait to get into this one because there is a massive plot problem with it that negates oh. the entire episode. And I'm expecting that the two members of our team that were veterans spotted it straight away. And, and, that, and that Paul is sitting there ignorantly, not even noticing. That's kind of just implied in what you well, said. I've, I've, well, let's, let's jump into the plot. Uh, uh, Paul, right? You're doing this one? I am. This is mine. So All this right. is Valiant, which is season six, episode number 22. They knew no fear, no regrets. Here they come. But what these young cadets don't know... We're in way over our heads. ...could kill them on the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Directed by Michael Vihar. Written by Ronald Moore. And it guest stars Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, Paul Popovich as Tim Walters, Courtney Peldon as Ferris, and other people as other people. But you know what I like? In the guest in the guest cast, it's listed Mark Allen Shepard as Morn. Because his part was so big in this episode, they needed to list him. So the plot of the episode goes something like this. While en route to Ferenginar in a runabout, Jake Sisko... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, why, about, why, the, why, why, what, why, 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 what about the... Why, why, What about the B-plot? I didn't... There's a B-plot? any plot yet. Yeah, where Jad Z is fixing the uh, the drink replicator. That's that's not a B plot. That's a teaser throwaway gag and a chance for Quark to ogle Jad Z's ass. That is not a B plot. I just wanted to make sure we covered that because it was the most ex- interesting thing in this episode. I think that should have been the A plot. A. <laughs> hey. oh, you just want to make sure you cover Jadzia's ass. That's that's what you want to do. This is 2019, dude. That kind of thing is not tolerated anymore. I don't think it was. I don't think. No. I, it was. She was just. That was not a flattering Starfleet jumper. So. But anyway. Not, not no, no, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It, it but, wasn't uh, ugly. But, no, you're absolutely but, right. Uh, but he wasn't doing that he was just he didn't think she was she, you know what we'll discuss that separate after we let yeah yeah, yeah let, let Paul do the synopsis finish. first before you but start I, I just want to make sure that that, 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 that that was included it is a part of the episode and it's not in the write-up so so what you're saying is this synopsis that you haven't even given us yet doesn't include mention of a 30 second bit that they put onto the episode and you're upset that was like three minutes oh please it's a major plot thing Oh, for you Diamond know what? Road. When I finish giving the regular plot, you can we'll give you the stage to discuss this. Okay? I don't have any notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Go ahead. God, I hate you. <laughs> anyway, while en route to Feringenar in a runabout, Jake Sisko and Ensign Nog are attacked by a Jem'Hadar vessel, but are rescued by the USS Valiant, a Defiant-class starship. Jake and Nog find that the crew are all members of the Red Squad, an elite squadron of Starfleet cadets. They were originally part of a training mission to circumnavigate the Federation. However, the Valiant is, was attacked by a Cardassian battlecruiser, which resulted in the loss of the entire commission staff. Before dying, the late captain transferred command to now-acting captain Tim Waters. Waters has continued to follow their last directive without any further orders from Starfleet, and has recently learned of a new Dominion battlecruiser. Nog is quickly integrated into Red Squad and the ship's engineering staff thanks to his knowledge of the Defiant Warp System, but Jake is seen as an outsider. When Jake attempts to talk to Chief Collins about her personal life, she breaks down emotionally, and Waters orders Jake not to talk to her any further. Waters reveals that they have located the Jem'Hadar battlecruiser and orders the ship to approach it. Raising the crew's morale to levels Jake fears are irrational. The crew of the Valiant is able to successfully scan the battlecruiser and discovers a possible weak point. Waters makes plans to attack it. When Jake attempts to warn Nog and Collins that Waters is actually on a suicide mission, Waters has Jake thrown in the brig. The Valiant attacks the vessel, but the Jem'Hadar ship remains undamaged. The Valiant is assaulted by the battlecruiser, which critically damages the ship and kills much of its remaining crew. Nog, Collins, and Jake leave the ship in an escape pod before the Valiant explodes. The three are rescued by the Defiant and learn they are the sole survivors. Nog states the Valiant was a good ship with a good crew, whose only mistake was blindly following Waters' disastrous orders. To Collins' pleas that Waters was a great man, Nog replies, he may have been a hero, he may have even been a great man, but in the end, well, he was a bad captain. Dun, 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 dun. And our side plot is that Nog's, <laughs> rep- Nog's drink re- replicator is broken down. Not Nog. Uh, Quark's Quark. drink replicator is broken down, and Odo figures out after Jadzia comes in to fix it late in the day that Quark is in love with Jadzia as Quark ogles her repair That's skills. Sense. <laughs> and also, the whole reason they're in the runabout to go to Ferenginar is, which is not included here, is that Nog is on a mission to visit the Grand Nagus, and Jake suspects that it is to bring the Ferengi in on the side of the Federation against the Dominion, which I kind of thought would have kind of already been a given, but I guess it isn't. I See, I don't see the Ferengi being much of a an asset in war. Well, they've got ships. Yeah, but it's not just the ships, is it? The Ferengi would be really good at negotiating. Would be the supply routes. Yeah, for that purpose, maybe at the negotiating table, I think they'd be great. And maybe if you had them, you know, if you want to integrate them actually into the battles, you have to give them their their electric whips from their introduction on <laughs> on the TNG. But I, I you know, I I don't see them as warrior a warrior race, so I'm not sure they're really adding much to the manpower of the whole thing. From the negotiating point of view, I think they'd be great. But, uh, I mean, I, I see the biggest problem with this episode is it just kept coming back to me that how long would this ship be able to to act in the way it has without the rest of Starfleet saying, hey, what's that ship doing? Where are they getting their weapons? Uh, Where are well, they getting... But I know... Explain? 
they say in the show that they they are officially missing, presumed dead. Okay, how many Starfleet. times have we? How many times have we seen on this in episodes of Next Gen and everything else where they're shown? Well, the such and such is here, and you see a little blip 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 blip, blip running yeah, around yeah. on the screen. Like, come on. Well, it's like you forget your own technology. Yes, they do. And one um, of them crew members would be like, "F this, I want to go home." <laughs> yeah, show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Well, it, it's playing into the idea that Star Trek has always done these stories of the plucky captain and crew who make decisions that in the reality would be seen as reckless and dangerous, and they always succeed because the normally Captain Kirk or Captain Sisko or whatever. In fact, as pointed out on Memory Alpha, this is pretty much the plot of the 09 Star Trek movie, except that in that movie... Kirk succeeds because he's Captain Kirk and he's the lead character. Whereas this is taking the principle that, well, in reality, how would a, a plan that is reckless and dangerous go down? And I don't mind the actual plot. The actual plot seems quite legitimate. And had it been the original idea of a crew that had been ordered behind enemy lines and stayed behind enemy lines far beyond the Ooh, point of time, turning into mental- apocalypse now. Yeah, where the mental um, agility had now gone, essentially. They'd lost all common sense because of how, how long they'd stayed behind enemy lines, that this reckless idea would get them home. And they changed that idea to be a bunch of cadets. And that's where it fell over. Because here's, here's my big plot problem that I felt that the two veterans would probably have spotted straight away. Technically, Nog is an officer. Yes. He's only an ensign. But he's an officer. There is nothing stopping him from walking onto taking the command. ship and taking command just outright because they are all cadets. I don't care what rank they've assigned themselves. They are cadets. Now, yes, because I had thought about that, but there are such things as battlefield commissions that can be granted. I don't know how that falls. Like, they would have to be done with an inquiry later. But, like, in a field of battle, you can get a battlefield commission. So I don't know... That's like a really sticking point, and they probably didn't have time to really. But but yes, you are all right. The first thing I thought is like, oh well, Nog's now in command of the ship because they're all cadets. But then yes. I was like, oh, but he does say that the captain granted him like a battlefield commission and put him in command of the ship, and then he and then turn granted rank ranks to everyone else on board the ship. But so, at what point could a, an actual officer say, well, that's irrelevant in this case? I am seeing a commanding officer who is at the end of his tether, is out of his depth, he's taking drugs to keep awake, right. I am taking oh, command. I agree, but you're going to stand there and say, he's got an entire crew of zealotous cadets behind him that will do whatever he says, and you're going to come in and say, well, you know, I'm going to take command. Bzz, you're dead. <laughs> I mean, there well, that, that that's that's the other thing as well. Do you believe Captain Waters' story about his battlefield commission? Oh, We've only got point. his word for it. Uh, See, that's what that's I pretty thought. Dark, yeah. Yes. Well, going through the entire episode because Ron Moore wrote this and he's not afraid of going dark. I thought we were going to find out that this was bollocks. That the captain had died and he'd actually said get the Valiant out of here and oh, save the I agree with that. I think that's probably, you know, that would have made more sense because that was the that was what they were supposed to be. They were just on a, a little training cruise. Yeah, and uh, they should and have, why, why take a training cruise behind enemy lines? 
Well, because – well, they said that they were – well, one, why would you circumnavigate the entire Federation with a bunch of cadets? Yes. And how long why? would that take? Like, and like why would you take a bunch of cadets on one of your most powerful battleships? Because they're Redscott, the best of the best of the best, sir. But, <laughs> still but, cadets. But that's a long – that's a long freaking – like that seems like – okay, you would do maybe like a three-month cruise or something and then Three you'd be cruise. back. Exactly. A hour, yeah, three-hour tour, three-hour tour. So, so why would you go for something that – because they say we were behind enemy lines when the war broke out. So – See, I could see that though. I could see – say a ship sailing out of Pearl Harbor at the end of November and they're mm-hmm. going to the Philippines. <clears throat> Pearl Harbor's hit on December 7th and the Japanese roll uh, west. Now you're trapped behind enemy lines, so to speak. I could kind of see that. But is that ship crewed by cadets? No, see, that's the part I, I, I don't see happening. See, yeah, that's my, that is my big sticking point with the and, whole show. And, and regarding the promotions, I could see you getting a battlefield command as far as, look, you're the acting captain, but you're not a captain. You mm-hmm. know, a lieutenant... Or even an ensign can be captain of a ship. Right. Temporarily. But that doesn't mean. Right. That no, doesn't mean. No. Oh, no. I'm a captain. Captain. A captain can be any rank. Right. Because the the size of the ship, like a smaller ship, they don't have a full rank. Captain is not the captain. It can be a lieutenant. You can have yeah, a lower so rank. So whoever's is in charge cap- is temporarily the captain until someone of a higher rank comes on and then they're no longer the captain they go back to their real rank yes don't they regular yeah. regulations you well they would probably like nog should have you would think nog should have been able to take command my whole problem with this episode <laughs> is that nog i think this sets nog back as a character nog we've seen him grow and we're going to see him grow more later but nog is so nog already has his rank has proved himself and now he just rolls over and he's so enamored with Red Squad, I think that belittles Nog as a character. He's sucked into this whole thing right away. Oh, this is Red Squad. So what? You've actually seen action and done things. Yeah, great. They're just a bunch of cadets. They haven't been in the... I mean, yeah, they've been fighting in the real world, but they don't They don't have... They, the first thing they should have done, done was to get home, not punch yeah. around and try to zip around and play hero behind enemy lines because that's that's what it's about isn't it walters wants to be a hero (laughs) and they've survived i read it as they've survived this long only because the valiant is a tough little ship like the defiant if they were in um, a training vessel they'd have been blown up years ago which brings us to that again why are they in a ship like that yeah i I thought the defiant was the only ship of that particular uh it was the prototype of that particular design, which was why they had problems with it at the beginning. That was two seasons ago. I would imagine in war, they've rush produced more defiance, which I can, I'm fine with that. I have no problem with that. So what do you think the equivalent though in the Navy would the defiant be a cruiser or a, a destroyer? Well, what Paranoia. Do you think it would be? <laughs> um, it's not a cruiser. I think it's, I think it would be more like a heavy destroyer, right, like a picket ship, but but not you know, because it's 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 more fast maneuverable, can take a beating, whereas a cruiser is usually more like a slugfest. It's 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 going to have a lot of weaponry, but isn't as is quick 
as a destroyer can be. So that adds credence to the who the hell would take a bunch of cadets out on a ship, a ship like this for a training exercise? Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. that's that's my sticking point, Dave. That well, I cannot get over it, that plot problem. Doesn't that kind of go to the beginning of Wrath of Khan? Well, they were the only no, ship in the quadrant because they're not taking the Enterprise in that particular state out on in war for a start they're not taking it behind enemy lines that was supposed to be a cruise around the block mm-hmm. that ultimately ended up with uh we've lost contact with space regular one we're the only ship here which is a star trek staple let's be honest let's go and investigate no one thought they were going into a battle situation in wrath of Khan. yes correct okay so it says the valiant departed on a shakedown cruise so that's the first thing a shakedown cruise is with a bunch of cadets. Well, well, it's it. Okay, <laughs> a shakedown cruise is where you take the ship because my ship had to do that. It's where you you go out, you put the ship through its paces, you see what breaks down and goes wrong. So they they've been out there for eight months, and it says it's crewed by seven regular officers and thirty five cadets on a three month training mission to circumnavigate the entire federation. All those such cruises are standard for senior cadets. Jake notes that it is unusual for them to be entrusted with a state-of-the-art warship or for such a large group of cadets to be given a mission of such complexity. But hey, this is Red Squad. So, and isn't it really fortunate then that of all the people to be killed, it's the seven officers? <laughs> That's just kind of convenient, yes. Maybe they got helped out by the junior officer. <laughs> no, well, that, that's, yeah. that's where I thought this was going, Dave. I honestly thought that's where this was going. Oh, we were going to minute. find out that Waters had either assisted in the death of the captain, or they weren't the captain's orders. I think that would have been very dark and much better. Yep. See, there's all the stuff in um, Memory Alpha that's not listed in the ship. I mean, in the show. Uh, okay, so Collins probably explains that they are Red Squad and considered anything but unusual. However, the ship was caught behind enemy lines when the war broke out in a battle with a Cardassian warship in which all senior officers, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, were killed or mortally wounded. Captain Ramirez, Ramirez, oh, sorry, <laughs> gave Waters <laughs> command of the ship. <laughs> and also, it also says on Memory Alpha... Uh, in modern Navy protocol, a commissioned officer would have immediately outright the entire crew of the Valley, which yeah. is what we thought when we were watching it. However, Ron Moore has stated that he based the premise on an 18th, 19th century naval tradition that an acting captain can only be removed by command as a flag officer. Do you know what that reeks of to me? Somebody's pointed this out to him and he's <laughs> getting, well, in the 18th, 19th century, they did this. But in modern Navy protocol, now... That's not the protocol anymore. So it sure as hell won't be the protocol in 400 years' time. Yeah. Oh, I call bullshit on this next paragraph. It says, when the war broke out, Starfleet Command, apparently unaware that command of the ship had passed to a cadet, transmitted new orders to the Valiant to collect technical data on a new Dominion battleship being deployed in their sector. Is that in the show? No. Right. I mean, if it was, I missed it. But it says since they were ordered to maintain radio silence, the ship had been cut off from the rest of Starfleet since the outbreak of the war. Undaunted, the young captain is determined to carry on the Valiant's mission. Nog, you know, I'd have to go back and rewatch it again. But I find uh, it hard to believe that Starfleet would send that mission to a ship with exactly on it. Exactly, like you, even no. if there was the you know the adult crew there. Yep. It's just, well, <sighs> yeah. I mean, well, you know what? You gotta you gotta 
become an adult at some point. So maybe they're like, well, they're Red Squad. We're spread thin. Ah, let them try. All right. Well, all right. I mean, it let's... seems kind of flippant that you would put that on a ship of cadets. But, I mean, they're probably in their last year of being cadets. And they're, they are the best of the best of the best, sir. So they are – I mean, it's it really stretches – and it, but, and it is a time of war, but it kind of stretches. Um, but then you're rushed through the academy and you're commissioned and sent out. You're not a cadet anymore. Yeah, but you're still an ensign. You're not in command of right. a defiant class. Right, right. <laughs> yes. You're stretched. You, we're going to commission you now as a... Here's a ship. As an ensign or a Here's lieutenant. your fruit. Oh. There you go. Yeah. And that's, that's ultimate. I can't get past that, that faulty premise of the show. Because other than that, there's, there is quite a lot to enjoy in it in regards to our main characters well, i'm gonna want to i want to, to, I want to, want to get by that premise and, and discuss some of that in a moment but before we get to that um would it have been a better episode if they had been successful on the mission and they no. came hold on hold no. on hold on hold on hold on hold on <laughs> i didn't finish the thought all right and they return to starfleet conquering heroes and are promptly arrested for killing the uh, the senior crew and taking and and committing mutiny. And Ram is actually on not Rama Nog is actually on trial uh, with them, but didn't even realize they had done this and eventually gets acquitted because he did not do it. But the rest of the crew gets you know uh, court-martialed. No, because I think it's a good idea to show a crew in over its head doing the kind of reckless decisions that we see Kirk and Cisco doing every week and not pulling it off. I think that's an interesting story. I think it would have been better if, A, they'd gone with the original premise, which is what we discussed earlier, which is on Memory Alpha, that it was a proper crew that had just gone stir-crazy for how long they'd been out there fighting with no food, no backup, and everything was falling to bits. No lights, no water cars. Yeah, basically. Or they'd have done that idea that we've come up with in this show that we find out that Waters was lying about what his last command was and therefore it's his fault that he got all the crew killed. Because as it stands, it's kind of Nog's fault that all the crew die. So how how about you have this episode end exactly as it did, but then you have a follow episode where Nog is actually tried for court-martial because they find out that the crew did kill the adult crew and take over. Yeah, well, I think you're going a bit dark to say they killed the adult. Well, crew. somehow they eliminated them. Let's use a nice no, word. I, I, they I'm sanctioned I'm them. Go, I'm happy to go with the idea the adult crew were killed. I prefer the idea Waters lied about what his last captain's commands were, because I don't really want to turn a Starfleet officer into an outright murderer of his superior officer. I think that's a little bit that's Battlestar Galactica. It's not Star Trek. <laughs> All you have to do is leave it at the captain's last orders were. Get the crew home. Yeah, and he lied about that. Yeah, that's it. Well, w- would this have played better if one of the uh, one of the senior crew was like one? One of them was still alive, but had become a still little bit alive. unhinged. Oh, yeah, had become because... a little uh, like he became like a Captain Ahab yes. and was forcing the crew, or they were like all drank the Kool Aid and yep. were like, "Yes, we are out with they." They were they, they became. I think that would have played a little better. Yeah, and because they, you instantly eliminate the issue of Nog would be in command. Exactly. That's a, I, exactly. I can't get over that. If there was a superior officer who was still alive and had become the raggedy Captain Ahab type, then yeah, this story would have worked much better. And then you make Waters his number one. Yeah. And number then one. this guy, and and the, and you're right. Then Wade not that that way Nog can't outrank. Wouldn't be able to take command. 
I think yeah, that would have played out much better. There's just too much about it. That you, there's too many mental gymnastics that you have to make to accept the basic premise of the show, even with the fact that this is Star Trek and we accept outlandish premises every week. There has to be some basis in that outlandish premise of a, of a re- real and believable motivation. And I can't get over that that i can't buy ron moore's explanation of well in the 18th century they would do this it's the 24th century presumably we've realized the mistakes of that order this entire episode shows what a problem that is right i mean there would be certain traditions that would be followed but there would you know okay when i was in the navy and i i think i told you guys what keel hauling was yeah right mm-hmm. You don't, which is where you tie someone and you drag them underneath the bottom of the ship. I don't think in the 24th century we were going to tie somebody to a rope, shove him out the airlock, and try to pull him along the bottom of the ship and see if he's alive when, by the time they pull him up the other side. No, no, don't be rash, Bill. We might. We might. <laughs> Hold your breath. Uh, <laughs> Now, I, and again, you know, as, as Andy has pointed out, I was not in the military, so I don't have really a, a, much of a knowledge of, of the workings. But in, in the case of a battlefield commission, which I'm sure nobody here has actually experienced at any level, but in that event, once the battlefield situation is concluded, wouldn't that be subject to review by some higher yes. body? I would the be action reports. You know, wouldn't but but even even if even if it was all valid, I, you know, I'm the captain and and you're you know you're you're my underling and I I feel that you're worthy of it and I make a battlefield promotion for you, uh, and then the situation is over. Wouldn't somebody who would be my superior in the military have to look at that and say, yeah, that's fine, or no, I'm sorry, we're not we're not honoring that. <laughs> Uh, that's a hard one. Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking, you know, the person, yes, the person does have that authority during the time where the captain is the highest well, ranking I mean, official they, available. But once that person, you know, once that situation has ended, would it be subject to review? Well, I w- everything's subject to, to review. And, and they would probably, uh, I don't know. I mean, they would probably allow them to keep the rank. But, I mean, I don't know what kind of a command they would probably, you know what, if these, if they'd all come back things would have probably been better for them you know they, they you, you know you know as as soon as non got there he should have said we, we need to go i don't know this this whole episode is just <laughs> the thing is nobody is getting promoted from cadet to the real rank of full of captain. captain yeah really have you guys not seen jj star trek yeah, i was gonna just say that well yeah it's a lot of crap yeah the most yeah. you move up is one rank even if the investigation leads Starfleet to believe they all did the right thing here, which I don't think they did. I don't know. Like, they probably make Waters a lieutenant. They might shove him straight up to lieutenant, you know. Oh, well, that, that begs another question that I want to ask you guys. Do these Does this crew really come across to you as the best of the best? No. Yeah, but we I don't mean, know. But they've been out there for, what, eight months? Yeah, compare so. it to Lower Decks, though. Compare it to Lower Decks, that episode of The Next Generation, where we eventually we basically follow a bunch of cadets that have just been given their first position on a starship. Every single one of those characters was more believable than these. None of these were good actors. Well, to kind of tie this into the real world, but not to belittle uh, the possible ca- characters that are here, um, so, like, Red Squad. Is that just people whose uh, Federation parents paid extra money to get them into certain um, <laughs> like positions is, of influence? Is 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 
is Captain Waters like the great great descendant of what is it, Lori Lachlan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. You know. Oh, we're the best of the best. No. So maybe. what was what was what was the crew that Wesley was part of in the first duty? Because I thought that was Red Squadron. That's what I thought. Yeah. But right, there will okay. always there will always be as each graduating class comes through the members of Red Squad will change, be, as they graduate. So yeah, yeah, I it's, it's kind of like a it's, it's basically nothing but a modern an honor society. It, well, I was going to say more like a fraternity, but but that maybe that's belittling <laughs> it a little too much. But but yeah, there's like oh they get the best quarters, they get the best this because they because they've got the highest you know oh they're which I don't understand I. I, I have a problem with Starfleet. They're, they're supposed to be. I'm surprised that Gene Ronberry let let that slide, or maybe he wasn't around by the time they did that. Because usually it's like it's not. He wouldn't have the whole, you know. Because in like the Ronberry world, everybody's kind of equal. So I find it hard. Like in the Academy, they're already. Oh well, you are the best here, and you you know we're going to give you special privileges and everything else because you're just so much better than everybody else. But doesn't that go against the whole Starfleet? You know. Or the whole Federation. Well, you know what? I just answered my own question. Starfleet technically is a different organization than a Federation, a military organization. Ah, whatever. <laughs> I'm never going to live to see that anyway, so it doesn't matter. So, so as, as Bill and I were discussing this the other day without you two, so I hope you're jealous. Not really. And, uh, like, I think the thought process we're supposed to be having because <laughs> cause we're, we're fixating on, on why this just doesn't make sense and, and I think that's accurate but if you were to bypass that logic and accept that the premise is, is solid which it isn't premises? Oh, sorry. I think what, they, what they would, their goal in this episode was to try and make you look at you know as you said Andy you know in, in the episodes or the movies you know when they do get bold to see you know what what happens when it when it doesn't work what would probably really happen but i want to take it down even a a level further than that and you start looking at you know the crisis of you know do you take the bold step to try and be a hero or do you just kind of take what they're viewing as kind of the coward's way out and just report back and and take it no further clearly that you know their motivation here is to look for the glory Mm -hmm. and they are unsuccessful in obtaining it so now had they obtained it you know had they been successful in this mission which they weren't even close to but had they been successful would they have been hailed as conquering heroes when they were turned would waters have been you know maintained his uh captain uh, designation and and been you know assigned a ship you know what would have happened i think they might have but in the long run like let's say he pulled this off and you know every was came back and was the conquering hero and starfleet was dumb enough to just say all right yeah you know what you guys work so together we're gonna give you your own ship and go out there and do what you got to do and they go out there i think eventually it would catch up with them because they don't have the experience and they would this would have been their inevitable fate that they hmm. would have died from doing something stupid, from inexperience. You because... know what they would have done? With... Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. You know what they would have done with them if they succeeded and came home as conquering heroes? They would have sent them around the Federation to sell war bonds. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they would do. 
Oh, they're, they're heroes. We're not going to expose them to fire these kids anymore. Send them back home to sell war bonds, <laughs> which is what they were reaching out to the Ferengi for. Now, you know what I was... Let's suck Old Dominion right in the mouth. Now, follow me on this journey for a moment. But first I need to ask, did you all see the movie Kelly's Heroes? It's been a long time ago, but I've seen it. Yes, of course I've seen it. (laughs) Now, when Waters said, you know, Nog asked, did you report the captain's dead? And he said pretty much, you know, no, we have radio silence. All I kept seeing was in a mirror universe, a Waters with a beard going, oh, well, you know, like we're holding ourselves in reserve in case the Dominion threatens Paris or New York. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, Kelly's Heroes... Is, is, an, is another one of those movies where you have to kind of forget the premise while you're watching it and just enjoy the moment. Because on, on top of everything else, it's a World War II moment with 1960s hippies in it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Clint Eastwood, so how bad could you go? And it's funny. Yeah, it's a fun movie. This this was not meant to be fun. This was meant to be you know serious and, and make you... You know, see uh, the consequences of the actions of these overly bold people. You know, Kelly Heroes—they weren't really being very bold. Uh, well, they were bold, but not you know trying to get glory, just getting ri- trying to get rich. And there was, was there was there was not bad stuff about this one. We're, we're, so far, we've only focused on the negative. But Noggin and Jake are really good in this one. They're, they're well written in so much as the characters are service well and there is that whole interesting bit in the middle where well suddenly Jake's reporting stuff I don't want to know about so we're going to throw him in the brig well was Nog written well because he kind of is so enamored with this crew that it's almost silly right yeah, yeah I, I don't think this is I don't I don't I think Nog like I said earlier has this is a step back for his character I can't believe he fell right back into this I would think, you know, if, if you were writing him true to his character, he's grown enough under the command of Cisco that he would see the way Cisco would handle this and would be telling the captain, I, you know, kind of the same thing, you know, that Jake is saying. I, I don't think he would be so quick to just say, no, he's a great man and I'm going to follow him. Was he a great man, though? No, he was not. But that's he what, what Nog is But that's what Nog right, is but, thinking. But at the time, Nog is just, you yeah. know... I think Nog's bought into the whole thing because yeah. he desperately wants to be an officer on a starship. Right. And if if I can accept that premise more well, because yeah. Nog is young and still green, whereas the original plot had this be Kira and Jake, and Kira just basically came in and kicked all the ass, and that's why the plot didn't work. And I'm thinking that at that point, then you throw this storyline away and think of a better way of doing it rather than just changing the characters around to make it fit. Because actually having Kira come in and kick all these privileged young assholes' asses would have been funny. Because every single one of them was just straight off the set of 90210CW Division. None of them were particularly good at giving their lines any drama or inflection. And particularly the first officer woman was stiff as a board. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I I, I didn't care for her performance at all, and actually, even even Waters, I thought was a slightly over the top in his performance. Yeah, there was nothing wrong with Waters' lines of dialogue. They needed somebody like William Shatner who could play the humanity of him, and he doesn't. He plays them as I'm in command, stiff, rod up his ass, rather than allowing any human emotion to shine through. So you don't buy him as a captain or anyone that all these people would follow into Hades. 
I would I would agree with that as well. So, but you know, I mean, I guess ultimately the only the not the only but the, the positive that we can come out of this it, or bring out of this is the thought of you know they presented it to show that it doesn't always work when you're being so uh, so yeah. bold in your. Uh, but <laughs> now this is this is done before the 2009 episode uh, movie, obviously. So. <laughs> So J.J. Abrams presumably saw this and said, oh, oh, bollocks, we're we're going to show that they would have been successful in this and they would have maintained their ranks, which then, you know, looking at it from this perspective just kind of shows you some of the lazy writing of the 2009 premise. Yeah, but it also shows the difference between Ron Moore, who understands how Star Trek works, even an episode like this one, which isn't great, and the people who made the 09 movie who think that uh, the popular idea of what made Star Trek work is what makes it work, but it isn't. There is nothing inherently wrong with this idea, as presented in this episode, that a crew of Starfleet officers drink at the Kool-Aid, that when you make bold decisions and rash actions, it will all work out well for you, because they've learned from the history tapes that that's what Kirk did and that's what Cisco does on occasion. The difference being, Kirk is 35 years old when we first meet him in, in Star Trek. He's had... 25 years worth of Starfleet career though to build up his experience. Again, Picard is in his third decade of being a captain. Cisco has had experience. These people all know when to take risks and when to back off. So there's a good story in this of showing um, an idea that we've seen many, many times before and seeing the characters pull off and then showing what happens when it's a bunch of people who aren't as experienced and don't know what they're doing. It's just that it's not very well handled here. But to go to your point with the 09 one, yeah, it just shows how bad that film is. And, and you know, I've, I've made no bones about it. I enjoyed that film. But that doesn't mean it's not built on a shaky premise. Yeah. You know, there's a difference between having a heroic moment when you're a young, young fella or girl. E- example from real history. G- General Douglas MacArthur, his father was a 19-year-old lieutenant at the Battle of Missionary Ridge, and the Union forces were getting beat. And opposed to orders, he grabs the flag, rallies the troops, and wins the battle. And he gets the Congressional Medal of Honor at 19. It's like Captain Wilton Parmenter. Yeah, except he didn't sneeze. That's the difference. True, true. But the thing is, that's a one-shot thing. They give you a medal. Maybe they, you know, let you command a battalion or whatever. To have a major warship, you're not going to put a kid in charge. You need the maturity of command in addition to the experience. You're not going to get a, a ship like the Valiant at that age, whatever they are, 17, 18, 19. Yeah, he says that the, the people on there are as young as 17. So let's assume that the eldest of them have gone through the fleet, have gone through the academy. So would that put the youngest one, at, the eldest one at 21? That's what Probably. I would be, yeah. Yeah, so they're about, so they're aged in between 17 and 21. So to me, even if they pulled this off, even if, you know, they were able to hit the small thermal exhaust port that was <laughs> three meters wide and took out the ship and got back, you're not getting a ship. You'll get a Medal of Honor and then go sell war bonds. Or go and serve on the Enterprise as an ensign. Yes. Yeah. But you're not getting your own ship at that age. No. I'm sorry. I mean, Yes, you've been assigned to the flagship of the Federation as a reward for what you've done, but you've still got to work your way up. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, definitely. That's just That was just a shortcut to have young people in charge. 
Nice job, Bill. Here's the keys to the Nimitz. <laughs> All right. Now I'm get to go back in time. <laughs> Don't scratch the paint. Okay, well, is that all we got? Yeah, I think we've told this one enough, yeah. Okay, well, um, so I guess it's time to rate it. Uh, it's... Uh, go ahead. I got one question. Why does God a need far, a starship? Besides that. Okay. Is, is Jake's strictly... I, I don't know. Uh, he seems more... Is he a pacifist? Or just, do you know what I'm saying? I don't think he's a full-blown pacifist, but I do think he leans that way. He's just because 22, I mean, but but he does mind dying. Oh, sorry. But 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 what I'm getting at is, I could see him. He's a reporter, and he's going to record the story. But if your life is in jeopardy, don't you help out, fight back, whatever you? Well, he's trying to get Nog on his side, but the captain overhears him talking, and basically then has Jake locked up, and then Nog's like, okay, right. Um, yeah, and he does, and the captain basically tells Jake to stay out the way. Yeah, because Jake's like, hey, so I think you know, my dad Jake's, would never do yeah, this. I think, I think that's what Jake's trying to do. He's trying to stay out of the way and basically just be a passive observer. And he just finds that he can't be a passive observer. As an observer, he's seen what they're doing is ridiculously stupid. Right. And he's trying to get Nog to realize that it it is ridiculously stupid come on nog do the right thing but nog's all swept up in the same thing that all these cadets are swept up in i don't think it's necessarily that jake's a a a pacifist per se i think that he sees the value of being the one person who's outside of the bubble and therefore being able to report it naturally and organically okay okay now that said (laughs) uh I agree with everything everything that we've said. There's no no point that anybody made where I thought, oh no, that was wrong. Uh, so I'm not arguing with any of you. I think it's a it's a faulty premise, and some of the acting performances were not really quite up to snuff. That said, I did not find this to be an unenjoyable episode. I kind of I kind of enjoyed watching it as it was going on, despite all of that. I wasn't just sitting shaking my head and and cringing over it so i'm not going to give it a blasting rating i'm going to go with a 2.5 dead in the middle saying it was entertaining it's just too many plot holes in it yeah yeah i agree it's it's the the acting other than well the first officer girl i mean woman she was eh, like the engineer you kind of felt for her the chief she was you know you got some emotion from her and you could, I thought the the kid that played the captain, he he wasn't bad e- either. Uh, so acting was relatively good, but but yeah, I mean we're, we're just seeing too many things. But you know, some other people may not see these nitpicks that that we do in this because well, a know, lot of people aren't watching it to rip it apart. True. They're watching it for True. entertainment. Right. Not everybody Although, has a podcast uh, yeah, but, about but, it. But we're not ripping it apart either. It's just that we've watched so many, and and you know we're enamored or know and some of us know how command things work or seen enough movies about this or other shows so uh i'm with you on the 2.5 uh 2.5 red squad corpses that <laughs> see it's a it's a half because they got blown up so uh, all right okay yeah. fair enough go on dev uh it 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 didn't drink i'll say that much you know, I didn't sit there staring at my watch going, when is this going to be over? <laughs> yeah. but, I'm sorry, but you, you didn't st- sit there staring at the hangar trying to figure out if you could un, uh, un, un 
straighten it out and stick it down your cast and scratch your leg. <laughs> Thinking about will the chandelier hold my weight? That's another story. <laughs> so I give it uh, two broken legs. <laughs> uh, see, I'm a fan of Ronald D. E. Moore, and I think everything you've said about the episode in and of itself is accurate. It's it doesn't drag. It's not boring. It's perfectly entertaining. But it's entertaining in that way that you're smacking your head going, why are you doing that about the characters? Why are you not following procedure? Why are you not being smart? And if there's one thing I expect from Star Trek, and that's probably why I'm not a fan of the two earliest J.J. Abrams movies, is I expect the characters to be smart. That's why I'm watching the show. And in this one, they're not. So it's entertaining and it works and it does what it's supposed to do. And it's telling an interesting story but it doesn't really do it in a way that I can just sit back and ignore the problems, which you can with some episodes or some films. So I'm going to go 2.5 as well. See, the, the point where I would, I would take issue with you slightly, Andy, is I expect Star Trek to present stories that are smart, not necessarily people that are smart. I mean, how many, to- how many times did we have an admiral who came aboard and, and you know, came you know wanted to do everything by the book and it would turned out that they were being stupid because they didn't know as well as kirk did yeah well that that does go into the lazy writing part of it you're right but i think i think if one thing the next generation did was it showed that by the 24th century humanity is intelligent and i don't know that this episode although nog's not human is he so okay of, of all the ferengi i've ever met though <laughs> he was the most human Human. <laughs> Actually, Rom Rom was. So that's that. We're not. I'm not going with that. <laughs> anyway, so that's what we thought. But what did Blaine think? Uh, let's see. What do you think? To the tune of "Come Sail Away." <laughs> <laughs> what does Blaine say? What does he say? What does Blaine say? Da, 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 da. What does Blaine say? What does he say? What does he say? Oh, that was, See, I thought you that were was going horrible. for Enya. <laughs> I thought you were going for Enya's sail away. Not that one. Okay. What's he say? What's he what's say? say? What's he say? What's he say? Ah, are you impressed I knew what that was? Huh? And, um, uh, your your musical knowledge and breadth of knowledge is always surprising to me. You are a veritable renaissance musical man. Why, thank you. Yeah, what Andy said. <laughs> so Blaine says, Hi guys, J.J. Abrams, take note. This is what happens when a cocky cadet leads a Federation ship into battle based on a crazy long-shot plan with extreme risk involved. He I'm does glad that we're not the only one that noticed that. He doesn't get left in command of the flagship at the end of the day. That wasn't meant to criticize this episode. It's very well done and is quite gripping. When Collins gave her speech about sunrise on the moon slash Luna, I was very impressed and looked her up on IMDb to see where her career has taken her that I didn't recognize her. Turns out this is the last job she had, as far as the IMDb is concerned, which I found quite surprising. Unfortunately, this is what Star Trek is about, telling a compelling story with a moral left to make you think. It had a tough job to do, and it did it well, Blaine. So Blaine obviously found it, I think Blaine, based on my uh, reading of that, Blaine would have found it to be more than two and a half stars. And that's fine. You know, we always say your mileage may vary, and we don't really have a problem with that. No. Uh, 
And I don't necessarily disagree with what Blaine's saying, except I just don't think it was quite as well done as he thinks it was, and I don't think the acting was quite as well as, as Blaine thinks, and that's fine. <laughs> it does it does raise another question, though, that we didn't talk about in the show. As all the escape pods are launched off the Valiant, it sure is fortunate that the one with our two main characters on isn't shot. Yeah, well, that's all, there's the always others. a level of convenience there. All the others are targeted and blown up. And the last one, is that the guys who let 3 pure and R2 go? Just like, oh, there's, there's, there's no life forms on that one. We'll let that one go. Uh, it's got a Ferengi life form. It's not worth the laser. Yeah, no, that's only got a Ferengi on it. Who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to waste the, the energy. Oh, we're out of energy. Ah, let it go. <laughs> and the ending as well. The ending where Worf's like, it could be a trap. I suggest we do not investigate. And Cisco's, oh, well, we may as well. You know, what if Cisco had gone, yeah, all right, you're right, Worf. It's not going to be Good point, Mr. Deal. Worf. Yeah, well, let's go. <laughs> Although no one in the history of Star Trek has ever said good point, Mr. Worf, even though he's 90% of the time right. <laughs> Alright, so that, all that said, do we have anything else before we close out? I do not think we have anything else before well, we close out. Then what are we doing next time? Next time, all new episode of Listen to the Prophets, we're back off to Ferengi now for Prophet and lace. The battle of the sexes is on. Financial chaos erupted all over the planet. But the struggle for equal rights. What's the matter, Quark? Afraid of a little competition? Has only just begun. I have a secret weapon. And for Quark. How do I look? You look lovely. It's gonna be a real drag. When it comes to profit, I'm your girl. <laughs> on the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. There I kind of picture the uh, the Don Henley uh, Stevie Nicks song. Alex. Yes, leather and lace, leather. isn't it? All right. Take care. Uh, later. See you in a couple of weeks. Yep. Bye bye. Bye. Listen to the Prophets at Deep Space Nine podcast is a two true freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the 2TrueFreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. to me, my lace. Bye-bye. Oh, and he has a phone call. Stuffed all over my joke. Let's listen in. I, an- I answered it because it was a, an actual. Was code it the person who sent that area. email? Yes, it was the person who sent that email. It was an actual code for my area, and I thought, oh, oh maybe it's something important, but it was a wrong number. Ah, did you tell him to bugger know, off? I, I don't know a Carol. Oh, Carol. <laughs> Carol can't come to the phone right now. <laughs> you, you know, you really. When it to <laughs> Carol, you, you should have said yes. This is she. <laughs> I don't know that that would work. <laughs> I would. It would have been funny just to hear what the person's reaction would be, though. It would, yeah. <laughs>